All right. Here we are. Well, good morning, Ocean City Church and uh, those out there in virtual land. So as we're uh, getting used to the new normal here where we're broadcasting live stream on Sundays, um, excited that you can join us. And so we just want to welcome everybody on the live stream. Um, we would love for today to be interactive and um, give us some feedback. Oftentimes when you hear Derek speak, you don't get to give feedback right away in the sermon, Never. so take advantage of that today. Um, and we're going to have a special guest with us here in just a little bit, but um, just wanted to start out welcoming you this morning. So, Yeah, no, excited. It's, it, it's, it's dangerous this morning because it's Dan and I. Um, we've known each other for a long time. And uh, for long. us to be up here, and I, you, you probably noticed, like last week, we had, uh, you know, we, we had a, a few more people here. We had Jonathan Tony here, and uh, one of the things that we're trying to do is, again, we, we said this, you know, as soon as all this stuff started, we started live streaming, and um, you know, the global pandemic kind of changed everything in terms of church. But we uh, we feel like we need to. We, you notice there's a little more distance between the two of us. Um, but just bringing There's an invisible shield, right? Bringing here. our Can't guests ask. in here and putting people here, and then having to, you know, you know, if they need childcare, all that is really not an option anymore. Um, so we got family members up here. It's me that's and right. Dan. Yeah. Um, that's just the way that it's going to roll from here on out. And then we'll we'll bring somebody in live remote, which is a technical feat. Thank you, Gerald, for getting <laughs> getting that done uh, this week. But yeah, I would say this week, man, I, if, during the deal, like Dan said, comment um, and questions. Uh, we're going to get, we've got our uh, iPad up here. If you've got questions throughout the stream or something you want to throw in, um, we won't answer all of them. Um, and again, as of last week, uh, if there's anything that we don't like, we'll just boot you off of the stream <laughs> altogether, which we can do. Um, so Yeah. I'm pretty excited. What, what, what's, what's been going on in the life of McFerrin? It's been a week. So um, I officially started working from home on Thursday. So I was one of the ones still pressing through and going to, to work every day through, you know, crazy traffic that we have here in Jacksonville, which by the way, is uh, no traffic out there, which is great. So, um, so I was going into work. So Thursday, Friday at home, and it didn't take pretty long before I was kind of irritable and short with pretty much everybody in my house. <laughs> Um, I, uh, like many of you, I've gone in search of paper products, uh, at local stores and have still yet to find toilet paper and You know where you can get towels. it? I just saw this the other day. There was a bar down the street, which there's like no <laughs> rules anymore. Like nobody's, you could get a jug of mi pre-mixed margarita and a roll of toilet paper. There you go. I mean, trying to, people trying to survive, man. <laughs> there's like no more rules in life. So yeah, try, you know, going out. A little bit, but uh, is the least amount possible. We, we were going down to the beach in St. Johns County because, as everybody knows, they closed the beaches in Jacksonville, um, and now they've closed the beaches in St. Johns County. So there will be no more beach for those of us here in Northeast Florida, at least for the foreseeable future. So as beach people, I mean, we're Ocean City Church. We, we love the beach. We want to be on the beach. The so. Ocean of Grace is closed. <laughs> um, so, crazy. yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of been the week. It's definitely been chaotic getting used to... Um, you know, how much the world has changed, but also just kind of leaning more into like, God, what are you, what are you trying to tell us during this time? And yeah. so I think as, as we've settled it more into that, just kind of 
trying to hear God's voice in all of this. Meeting so. with the, and hanging with the family and being able to even connect with family has been yeah. different. Yeah. It's interesting. I was, I was looking, you know, trying to be sensitive because I don't think it's a time to joke, but like what of the memes that are out there in terms of people being, have, you know, stay-at-home orders and, you know, this kind of being a self-quarantine time, what are the ones that are the most true? And I found this one. Um, I just thought, this is, this is real life right now. I mean, look at that. I mean, people normally, and then people during quarantine. Is that not true? I mean, that it seems is like pretty much true. Yeah. How many people were on bikes yesterday? <laughs> like, I just—it was like people. People I haven't talked to on my street in you know a couple of years, which is a shame, by the way, church. That I have people on my street I haven't talked to, but it's their fault. Um, <laughs> but standing in front of my my house because we're sitting, everybody's sitting outside shooting basketballs, and the kids are like burnt out on Xbox, and um, it's just a whole new. Yeah. A whole new world. And then they've got the, the COVID-15. I don't know if anybody's heard of the COVID-15. That's a very real thing. Um, that's the 15-pound. We've done a lot of eating in our house, and <laughs> it seems like we're... I, I graze the refrigerator in the pantry a lot. So, this is another real yeah. meme right here that Gerald's got. I think this one is the COVID-15. This is what we're doing in, in life right now. Uh-huh. <laughs> My plans for this weekend. There you go. Yep. That is kind of what things are looking like. That looks about right. Yep. Yeah. Well, um, just on a, you know, even in a, a more serious tone, I, I think what's been amazing in this, what, what God has been doing um, in and through this, it, with my own family, um, you know, just having all five of my uh, people at, at home, you know, my son's home from college, and us doing family worship together has been pretty uh, incredible, um, and um, devotions. Now, I'll say this, just so all of you don't think that's the easiest thing in the world, getting everybody on the same track, you know, getting the text, like, come downstairs now, we're reading the Bible, um, it, it takes some work, but what a privilege and an opportunity it is right now to, to be able to gather together, to be with your kids, there's no soccer, there's no baseball, there's no sports, there's no running around, there's no thing to thing to thing and exhaustion at the end of the day because we're so busy, which mm -hmm. I think some of us have a problem with. We like being busy and going from thing sure. to thing. And God's kind of sat us down in this season and just said, what are you going to do with this? Yeah. Are you going to squander it or are you going to leverage it for what matters most and lead your household and shepherd your household towards God? It's interesting. Um, I texted uh, one of the, um, the people that works in, in the medical field in our church, um, leads an entire team of nurses. Um, and said, just how are you doing? You know, how's your family doing? And I want to read you a, a text in, in, the, in his response uh, to that. It was uh, Stephen Bertner. Um, and he responds to me, he goes, hey man, Janelle and I really appreciate the prayers and you checking in on us. Obviously he's, he's busy. And he says, I've never seen so much fear and anxiety in the hospital as I have this past week. He said, but the awesome thing is the Holy Spirit is there creating opportunity for people to turn to Jesus. He said, I was wrapping up my night shift Monday morning and the ICU charge nurse asked myself and the hospital chaplain to join the uh, incoming day shift workers in the conference room to pray over all of them in their upcoming shift. And that, obviously that's something that they don't normally do, um, but that's what they're doing because they're, it's, it's, it's all of a sudden this, this trust. He says, also myself and a fellow Christ follower at work have been talking among each other and encouraging each other to see this event as an opportunity and not just a disaster. And I just thought, man, that's the big question and the big answer in, in the life of the church yeah. of where we are and, yeah. and what's going on. Um, and I love that. I, there's more and more of this. We've got people in our church that are, you know, in, in the middle of this and waiting the, 
you know, what we think might be inevitable in terms of more and more of this appearing here in Jacksonville. Yeah. And I just, I mean, I think about this new reality that we're living in every single day and it's, 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 it's caused us to reprioritize what is most important in my life. If I, if I lost everything, you know, and just had God, what, what would that, what would that mean to me? And I think, um, for me, it's, there's this idea that, um, you know, I would say, yes, I believe all these things about God. God is sovereign. He's, he's in control of all yeah. of this. But, you know, when we're really challenged with, do I believe all of the things that I confess? Um, and now that that's really being put to the test, I mean, you start to ask yourself some, some deeper, deeper questions. But I, I do think, too, like, what are going to be the stories on the other side of this? Like, right. we're in the middle of it still right now today. And, you know, it's created for, for me personally, it's, I have a lot of restlessness. I do have a lot of fear. I have a lot of anxiety. And so just really wrestling with, with God on all of that. But I think at the same time, there are so many opportunities that I don't want to waste, whether it's with my family or with neighbors or, you know, the church, how the church loves people in, in the community, how we communicate with people. Yeah. Um, you know, not to waste those opportunities to, on the other side of this, be able to talk about God's faithfulness and what God has been doing through all of it, as opposed to, you know, my natural tendency is just to kind of want to shut in and, you know, not, uh, you know, either watch Netflix or, you know, figure out a way to get to the other side of it where I can just sort of pass through this time, time lapse. So, yeah, but big opportunity for the church. There really is a big opportunity for the church. It's interesting. Introverts have finally come out of their shell. They're like, we actually want to see people, (laughs) you know, they're even the ones, you know, they're, it's like, they're, they're like, Hey, we're, we're even feeling this. Um, you know, you, you can only stay inside. Everybody needs people. And yeah. I think it's bringing up the, it's connected us in some ways to other people seeing how, you know, in a diverse world that we live in, that we're all the same. Yeah. We're dealing with the same enemy, uh, which is very rare. Yeah. You know, we have a common enemy right now in this virus and it's, it's pretty incredible. It's, it's interesting thinking about the, the role of the church. And as we dig into the book of Acts and if you've got, you got your Bible, we'll be in Acts two in a little while, but, uh, just the, the role of the church, you know, as the church moves forward and what, what, what it looks like to be a city on a hill, what it looks like to be the church. And I remember saying these words, but not thinking that they would actually happen in this way. But when we were about to get the building that, that we're in now, um, we, it was very dodgy whether or not we were going to get it. Yes. And we had heard that, that the uh, planning commission was going to vote all no's um, with us being in this space. And we had already leased it, put a sign up, and we were, you know, I was sad going into it. But we were in the planning meeting with the city council at, the, at, at City Hall. Tons of people showed up, standing room only, out the door. People from the church supporting uh, was awesome. And everybody's kind of waiting on pins and needles. And I didn't even know what I was going to say. And when I stepped up to the to the podium to talk a little bit about it uh, immediately. I just, in my mind came this, this uh, thing I had read about Charles Spurgeon. And in the 1850s, when he started um, in his church that eventually grew, it was like the first really mega church. Um, everybody was leaving London. Um, and there was a plague at the time. Like there was a, there was a, a pandemic, you know, the um, cholera had broken out. And all of the churches decided we're scattering and courting off. We're going out into the countryside. We're leaving and we're heading out. But Charles Spurgeon said, London Tabernacle is going to stay here. We're going to be in the center of London. We're going to, we're going to meet the needs of people. We are going to, where there's joblessness. Because during the Industrial Revolution, things just blew up in London. And everybody, nobody had a job. 
There was tons of homelessness, tons of people sick, cholera had broken out, tons of orphans, tons of widows. It was just brokenness. And all the churches scattered. And this church stayed and became a hub. And they built hospitals. They um, served the poor. They created job networks. They did, I mean, they became a hub for the city. And I, I just said in the city council meeting, I just said, our hope is as a church, and this is what was said of, of Charles Spurgeon and his church. One of the parliament members was asked about um, Charles Spurgeon's church and whether it was annoying and this big, you know, mega church in, in central London. And he said, if this, if London Tabernacle, if Charles Spurgeon's church ever shut down or, or walked away and, and left, it would cripple central London. Um, and I just thought, mm. as a church, that's what you want to be. Sure. You want to be in a place where if you've, you've had such impact outside your walls, you didn't just gather and worship and sing songs and then go home and just do your normal stuff, but you had such an impact that if you ever left, people would be sad. In fact, people would be lost. Um, and that's what we want to be um, as a church. It's what we're, you know, what we're looking towards. Yeah, and I remember you saying that at the city council meeting. And it ha in fact, I mentioned it um, in a sermon I gave here uh, a few weeks ago. But just, you know, then practically thinking about how can we invest in, I mean, we're the only church in the central, central business district in Jacksonville Beach. And, and the cool thing about all of this is that the church has left the building. So the church's identity is no longer in a building. It should Absolutely. never be in a building because it's not a building. But we've been forced to kind of think about what does the church mean and look like outside the walls. Yeah. Um, and so we, we may actually become more of what the church is supposed to be. And it's hard for me to even yeah. say that yeah. publicly, but it's like maybe this is the challenge where the Holy Spirit has actually come yeah. in the midst of, of something that seems like death and dying. And um, God says, I'm bringing life yeah. out of death. And we're going to we're going to something's going to change in the face of the church and in this community and the church will actually begin to operate like a city on a hill. Yeah. And it, get, it gives me chills yeah, just to think about exciting. it. Yeah, To think about it. Well, what, what else do we have on tap for today? I want to jump into the, the rest of the day. So we have um, an interview with um, one of our uh, anchors from Ocean City Church in just yep. a bit, who um, uh, Dan Trifoletti, many of you know Dan, but we're excited to be able to talk to him today. Um, not only is he a member of our church, but um, he's a physician and um you know, has really unique perspective on kind of what's happening with COVID-19 um, and really the call to action for the church. So um, we're going to talk about that. And then um, do we want to talk about city groups and all of that? No, now, we'll just do, what we're we'll, doing yeah, for today? And then we'll, I guess we're diving into the book of yeah, Acts. Yeah, so then we're, we've, uh, we've been looking at Acts and really, you know, what, is this, what does this mean for the church right now? And so there's going to be some very practical things that we'll pull out of Acts Today that Derek it's a will bomb. talk about. Acts yeah, chapter it's two. It's got the really Holy good. Spirit. You got speaking in tongues. You don't want to miss this. <laughs> and me and him talking about it will be good because we. This is a conversation yeah. we've had for twenty years about the Holy Spirit, what it means to have the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through the church because we need it right now, especially. Yep. And then um, lastly, we'll talk about some resources that are going to be available. We know many of you have asked, "Hey, what are some things that we can do at home um, beyond just?" you know, our, our kind of initial diving in of, of Acts. So we'll have some things that you can do with that. We'll talk about um, getting connected in city groups and how that's working. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so a lot to do today. Exciting. Yes, I'm, I'm pumped about today. You should be pumped too. Um, we're going to take a quick break. Don't go anywhere. Uh, we are going to be right back, and we're going to be with Dr. Dan Trifoletti. <laughs>
you said we should have a live chat feature during actual church. When we all come back, that we should, everybody should be able to get on their phone and fire up questions and, and chat with one another during my sermons, which I think is a horrible idea. Um, because I think everybody will be down looking like this, you know. <laughs> and see, I always see you. Always, lo- I can always see you sit right back there, and I, we got a thing going on. Like eye engagement, it's good, and that will go away because you'll be chatting on your phone. Yes. In fact, maybe we can do like if you want to throw a tomato or like a rose on the stage. <laughs> oh, live emojis. Yeah. We could just have them on the on the screens in here. <laughs> that would be amazing. And we. Yeah, I thought it was a good idea, and then as soon as I started typing, I realized I wasn't listening to what you were saying, and I was just looking for the so maybe. That's awesome. So, Dan, it's great to have you with us this morning, especially in this cool technology that's totally new for all of us. I feel like a like a court, like you're a remote correspondent that we're talking to on the news here. But yeah, serious. Um, we just went. We just got yeah. serious. Yeah, yeah for yeah, real. Okay. Um, sure. But we don't see any virtual cupcakes from Nancy, and so will yeah. those be delivered sometime soon? Yeah. And our original plan, just so you know, was to have the whole fam up here, and we we we. I think Jonathan Tony mentioned in the stream that that we should we should have Nancy here instead, and in some ways we agree. Um, but he forced his way in because he said he was a doctor. <laughs> um, I'm kidding, but. We, it, because of the whole thing, we had to pivot and change and, and uh, make it a... Uh... We literally said, is there a doctor in the house? And Dan raised his hand, right. so we called on him today. Right. So, um, Dan, just to kind of jump in and get started today, um, talk a little bit about how you guys came to OCC and what that process was like for, for you guys. Yeah, so I grew up at the beaches, um, and I lived here, like my mom went to Fletcher wow. and grew up here, and so my family's been here forever, but... I went away for college, uh, and I did medical school, and I met Nancy, my wife, in college. We got married, and then uh, we lived in Virginia. I did medical residency in Virginia for <clears throat> four years. We were there, and then we moved back here in uh, 2017, and we kind of did some church shopping. Church shopping. Looked around different places. <laughs> I know. It's <laughs> right. Dating. Um, went to several places, and uh, Mike... And John, Mike Berry and Jonathan Tony, we know from yeah. uh, college. We like them. And so we checked out Ocean City and a few others. And um, we're just kind of drawn to the focus of the church being on Jesus. And uh, to be honest, like the casual nature, sort of our vibe. And I guess contemporary. I, I don't know. I'm not a good, not a real Christian wordy right, person. That's perfect. I don't that's know fine. That's why you fit in anyway. here, probably. <laughs> that's probably why you like it. <laughs> probably, yeah. That's awesome. But uh, we were drawn to that and sort of the family community atmosphere and people uh, looking out for each other and being friends was, was yeah, appealing yeah, to us. Yeah, you got a pretty tight, tight crew. And uh, and you guys lead a city group, which is amazing. Uh, you got And a, you got a pretty solid crew, too. Like, you got some people in there that could actually go off and lead their own own group. So, you know, that's a, that's a solid. Right, yeah, it's a little. You got a solid, <laughs> solid people. But, no, it's fun because Nancy and I are, are really – uh, social people and like love hosting, having people and uh, the community stuff is important to us. So from my perspective, it's actually the best situation because we just get to have a bunch of people over and I get to learn everything. I don't have to prepare much. They just teach oh. me everything. So Mr. Awesome Humble. Mr. Humble. <laughs> you do provide uh, a great meal though, usually. If, oh, my uh, man can cook. For those of y'all that don't know. You yeah, know. he's the, the low country boil master of uh, OCC men's ministry. Yeah, that's so. a lot coming from this man here too, because this man right here can, can get down. <laughs> I'm a low country boil critic. So, in, yeah. the, in the kitchen. Um, so how, how have things... A secret about the 
Yeah, I was going to say, how, how are things going with like family? I know you got a, a whole team at home. Um, who you got and how are things going with them at home? Yeah, so we got my wife and I have four girls and the oldest is six and the youngest is uh, one. And stuff's, you know, <clears throat> we're kind of like limited in our ability to go out anyway because of all right. the kids. It's definitely harder. Um really more for Nancy because there's no more school. So now it's just like home every day, all day, the same thing every day. Tie, you know, like the kids are restless and just need to run around. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm still going to work some, which is a little weird. So, um, so I'm doing like half day or half time week thing. So in and out, but like I'm on call this week. So I just do whatever. Um, and Nancy just tries to, run the kids until they get tired and fall asleep at night. That's like the goal every day, basically. <laughs> Exhaust them, put them on the kid treadmill and That's right. get it done. You can hear them getting going in the background there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you said you said you uh, you go to work uh, a couple, like, you know, kind of halftime right now. What is it exactly that you, I know this is a loaded question because you're a doctor and you do something pretty, pretty amazing, but can be difficult to explain. But can you give us the the basics of what you do as a doctor? Yeah. So the words sound crazy. It's not that crazy, but it is super awesome. Uh, so I'm a radiation oncologist. So we, uh, and I focus in brain tumors. So patients, so people have brain tumors or brain problems, and we shoot radiation at the part of their brain that's the problem, normally like a cancer or a tumor in the right. brain. And the radiation is like a branding iron in the tumor to try to kill it. That's the strategy. But it's what's cool about it is that patients don't like, feel it or see it or know it's half kind of like it's very like star trekky like you wave the wand over them and then you're like you're good see you later <laughs> it's crazy um but an interesting part about the job is that we, we i treat a lot of patients who um who have terrible diagnosis and are either gonna uh you know about 50 percent of the patients i treat we're trying to cure them and about 50 percent uh we're trying to help them you know even though they're gonna mm -hmm. die and even the patients that I'm trying to cure, most of those patients die from their wow. disease. Uh, so I, that's something that's really appealed to me about the job, honestly, because um, I always felt like, you know, we live this life and we're like frustrated in traffic or the whatever. The AC repair guy is a day late and you're mad about it. But like constantly being reminded of like how that stuff's not that big of a deal and like what actually matters is like being alive and talking to people who are dying <clears throat> and having them tell the, you about like, oh man, I just like really want to take this trip with my family before right. I die. How can I do that? And like, like learning about the stuff that they care about. And like, nobody talks about like traffic on the way to the doctor when you're dying. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so it's like, it's been it's something that appealed to me to have this like constant reminder of, of what matters in life and what doesn't matter. And it's given me a lot of perspective, I think. Um, now, Nancy would say uh, that it's kind of turned me into like a minimalist and I just don't care about any of her problems now because <laughs> you're not dying. dying. Yeah. You know, so right. Staying home with the kids. Oh, it's so bad. Uh, but, you know. Oh, the streams get so, ready to blow up, Dan. I just want to let <laughs> I know. Yeah. Right. I'm glad I can't see the chat right now. No, but I mean, so it's actually been a challenge for me to like, remember that other people are dealing with things that are important to them. Yeah. Um, and because they're not important, like from a 
world, like a big worldly or like heavenly perspective doesn't mean that they're not like passionate about it and care a lot about it. So, um, that's something that I've been trying to learn, but that's awesome. Anyway, so that kind of applies to the coronavirus thing too, which I think we'll talk about. Yeah. Yeah. So I know, uh, I've called Dan a brain surgeon in the past. Yes but he doesn't want to be called a brain surgeon. He says, I don't do surgery. That's gross. So, yeah. But the crazy thing is, is it, <laughs> it's barbaric. barbaric. They shoot yeah. all these lasers that are not harmful as they go in through the brain, and then they become, as they intersect in the brain in the right spot, microscopically or however it is, and it, they it burn tumors. Blows the mind, literally. He oper- I, I think I texted you after I had dinner with you one time and just said, are you having fun playing with your laser? Um, at work, <laughs> and you said something really uh, cynical back to me. I don't remember what it was, <laughs> um, but it's uh, yeah, it's pretty incredible. So I, I know people are curious. I, I, you know, as you, you know, for your perspective as a physician and as a believer, um, what is your take on COVID and how we respond to it as believers, but how we understand it from a from your physician standpoint? That's a great uh, question point of view as well. Yeah. So a couple of disclaimers. I'm not a real doctor. Anybody who knows me knows that. Uh, although I have a medical degree, I'm not like whatever house or something. And the, the second thing is that um, I'm also not like a pastor and I really like no, don't know anything about Christianity or I'm not a Martin Luther person here. But um, so I've been thinking a lot about this and I think that there's like three um you know, to, to be a, just get in my pastor mode, there's three points that we're going to go over today. Uh, the first thing is, no, the first step is people are super scared and we're in this like depression, anxiety, yeah. freak out mode, which we like, I'm not downplaying that we, we should be like, so for so the two types of people out there right now, they're the people who think this is a huge deal and who are paralyzed and that's a problem. Mm-hmm. And then there are the people who think that this is no big deal and nobody What's the big, I'm just going to do whatever I want to. Everything's normal. And that's a big problem to people who think that, that none of this matters and the virus is going to do its thing. Let me like, so I have a lot of friends in New York who are doctors. Mm -hmm. Those people imagine, imagine being a doctor and everything's good and you're healthy and you're exposing yourself to this virus every day and your family. So your family's healthy at home and they're quarantining and you're coming in and out with virus every day. And why are you doing it? Why don't you just quit your job and stay home and protect yourself? Well, it's because you took this oath to help other right. people and, and expose yourself. And your family didn't take the oath, but they're still getting exposed. Yeah. And, uh, and there's a situation where the, the, uh, the lead doctors in the hospitals and nurses and everybody are getting sick and, not, and then they can't come to work. So people are having to like call up uh, from underneath them. And they may not be trained well enough to do so well enough to do what they're supposed to do so there are examples of of like senior doctors uh being put on breathing machines by the people that they're training wow like this because the senior doctors stop breathing and then the the student basically the resident is is emergency taking care of them because there's nobody else to do it crazy and and the cases are increasing now new york is a unique example where you know, they're like all in a big building and everybody's on the subway and whatever. So I'm optimistic that it won't get that bad here. But that's like super frightening for me because I'm not a real doctor. I already said that. But there's a chance that if the virus gets bad in Jacksonville, that I'm going to start innovating people, right. putting tubes in their throat, 
And like, you don't want that. I mean, I'll do it, whatever. I want to do whatever helps. I could probably innovate somebody better than you two could. But <laughs> I'm like, co confident wanna, highly that you could. You want to be in a situation where the person taking care of you took, had a good night's sleep, feels great, you know, had a cup of coffee and is excited to take care of you. And that's not what's happening in New York. Right. And that's, that's what's frightening as a, as a healthcare provider. So we do need to take it seriously. But to the other people who are, who are like paralyzed with anxiety and like scrubbing their hands all day and like, like you have to live your life, you know, you can't be so paralyzed in fear that, that you're, you're worthless. Yeah. Um, you still have to like exercise and a quick plug for exercising, super critical at a time like this because you're sitting on your tushy all day long, you know, gaining 15 pounds on Frito Lay chips or whatever. And so it'll help you lose some weight, but also, and you have the time to do it now, but also like just mentally, the impact of, of like a long walk on your brain is so critical mm -hmm. and call somebody when you're walking. I like, I'm a real big advocate of that, especially at a time like this. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, you really do have to live your life and like, you can only get so much hand sanitizer and <laughs> the virus is invisible. It's everywhere and it's on you all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah, like you, yeah. you can't think like you have to like take a deep breath and chill out. Um, and, and the way, if, if that saying me telling you to chill out is not working, which is probably not if you've had uh, anxiety, um, then you got to keep yourself busy with like small and productive, uh, things to kind of keep your mind doing something else. Right. Anyway, I, I wanted to say, since it's Ocean City, it kind of feels like a wave. So, you know, when you're like waiting for a set and then the wave, and then you like see this wave coming and it feels like it's sucking you into mm -hmm. it, right? The wave's like in front of you that's like where we are now and that's this like anxiety and fear and i'm scared yeah. thing and then the actual wave breaking is the is the virus is the illness so everybody's like getting sick and oh this is like wartime oh no and that's the worst part everything is is about being scared about that part but then after the wave too the wave crashes and there's just that chop and it's mushy everywhere and you don't know what's what that's like this economic problem that's going to come right so right now we're like waiting for this wave to come and everybody's just like trembling and scared and we see it mounting. Um, and, and that's like, while p people are losing their jobs now and people have the illness now, most people are in that like scared, what do I do now phase? How serious do I take this or not? Yeah. 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 We were discussing um, earlier, um, even thinking about, you know, just just even in the, in the waiting, like you're talking about, but I, you even mentioned in our, we were doing a Zoom call, well, the city group leaders, and just like that this is a, it, as bad as it is, <clears throat> it's a it's a pivotal time for the church. And uh, I know you're not a pastor and you, you know, you're, but but just as a, as a believer, as a, as a Christian and also a doctor, um, just your perspective on, you know, why this is a pivotal time for the church in terms of our response to this. Yeah. So one thing I'm big on is like, especially because of my previous exposure dealing with death and dying, like none of you were ever safe to begin with. You've been at war this whole time. And right. and we're just talking about this virus, but who, nuclear bombs could launch, land on us at any time. The, um, the Empire State Building, the Twin Towers got attacked years ago. We almost went to war with Iran like a couple months ago. And who knows what the Black Plague is going to come back or whatever. Like, there's always stuff to be scared about. Right. This one feels real because it's 
pretty real. But we are always, and that's just like global catastrophes. You might get hit by a car walking out of the street. Right. And that's the worst because then you never even get to say goodbye to your loved ones. Right. You just die. Right. So I'm not trying to be dramatic, but like none of you were ever safe. You're always threading this needle of death and life. And um, it's, it's a fallacy to think that this hasn't been at risk this whole time. And, and this is what I feel like, you know, this world, this uh, fight between sin and life and like, you know, living in the world, but not of it. To me, that's what this is. You know, you can't be so scared that you never leave your house right. and you're, you're, you harm, you, you keep sin away and it's, it's all separate from me. And I can't expose myself to anything because anything could let, let sin have a foothold. Right. But also you don't want to be so cavalier about everything that's just like, whatever, I'll just lick toilet seats at Walmart or whatever is, you know, like <laughs> there's a balance here between being smart and, and being paralyzed right. by fear. Yeah. And, and I think it's like a perfect analogy to um, Christianity. And honestly, like this is good for everybody. You need to be reminded of, of how you need to be scared, scared of life um, and not be so casual about stuff. And you, we should all be basking in this fear in this moment we have now, we should remember it forever. Yeah. And hopefully it'll leave a, a footprint on our heart to remember how tenuous everything is. Yeah. So good. Yeah. And I mean, that, just that perspective on the reality of death that, that, you know, it's, it will happen to all of us. And, um, you know, certainly, we mourn with you know the loss of people, you know before their time. But that reality should be there from the standpoint of, you know, the fact that that there is a resurrection of the dead. That Jesus right. overcame death, and so the sting that we think of as death being the final blow doesn't have to be because of who Jesus is. And so I think it's times like this where we're confronted with that reality. Like I will die one day, you will die one day, Dan will die one day, all of us will, and you know, what does that mean for how I'm going to live my life now and for after all of this is done? Right. So it's just, it's a really cool perspective. So thanks it's for so sharing good. that, Dan. Yeah. Can I say something? Yeah. Oh, I read this quote from C.S. Lewis and it was about, um, I, maybe a lot of you guys read it, but it was about the age of the atomic bomb. And it's sort of like they were worried about, you know, atomic bombs landing in London or whatever during World War II. And he wrote a piece about how basically like, you know, none of you were promised eternal life. Everybody's going to die and you can't be paralyzed by fear. And you should look it up if, if anybody's listening and interested in that because it is pretty powerful. Now, the atomic bomb is different because it was like uh, you're alive and then you're dead, right. you know, within like seconds. And this is this feels different than that. Mm -hmm. But um, basically his point was like you just live your life and if you die, you just Hope that you died. You died while you're doing something that is good. Yeah. You know, praying or exercising or reading your Bible or whatever. Right. Anyway. No, that's great. That's that's so true. I mean, just it is a a, a, a rattling of the cage almost, yeah. um, uh, in in a good way, and not to be, you know, callous to to what's going on. I think we all. I think you said it perfectly. It's like we we don't want to be cavalier. And just say let's you know let's let's you know run in with guns a blazing and without a mask on and do the but we also don't want to be crippled with fear and be cognizant of hey this is an opportunity where the church may be stepping in 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 ways and in areas that other people would be like I would never do that 
um, and we should be. Yeah. So, man, it's so good to have you on. Thank yeah. you so much for sharing with us. That was uh, super helpful, even just for for, yeah. you know, for us um, and uh, for the church to hear uh, from you and just to see somebody they probably see on Sundays, you know, making amazing coffee here at OCC as an anchor. <laughs> Uh, or as their city group leader, but to hear from you as a doctor and as a, as a dad and a husband um, sharing with us is great. Thanks yeah. so much, man. We yeah, appreciate, appreciate it. it, Dan. Thank you. Thanks. All right, we're gonna take everybody. We're gonna take a, another quick break. We'll be right back. Grab your Bible. We'll be in the uh, second chapter of Acts, which is a good one. There's a lot in there, yeah. um, and then we'll be uh, rolling out for our Sunday afternoon. You can engage with your family um, and some of the materials that we'll talk about when we finish the stream today. All right, we'll be right back. Dan and Derek, <laughs> doubling down. I love it. All right, well, we're in, uh, we're in the book of Acts. We're in the second chapter. I want to just pray with us as a church uh, as we dive into his word. Um, it's always powerful when we uh, read scripture to one another, whether you're doing it in your house or when we, we do it here at Ocean City Church. Uh, it's one of the things that um, I know we, we miss, um, but the, the cool thing about living in the technology age that we are in, uh, we get to read scripture to one another just like this. So, uh, God, we just thank you for who you are. God, we want today, uh, everything about today, to be about you. Um, everything that we're leaning into as we talk about this virus, um, as we talk about this global pandemic, is um, we want to ask the question, God, what are you saying to us, and what, how is it leading us um, home to you? How is it leading us back to a relationship with you? How is it strengthening, strengthening our relationship with you, um, and how is it um, pushing us outside of our, our world that we're in uh, to lead people uh, to what matters most, which is to be in a relationship with you. We love you, Jesus. Thank you so much for um, everything that um, you've done, for even rattling our cage in these moments and waking us up uh, to see you in a different way, to cling to you uh, in a different way. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. 
Well, just to set up um, the, the second chapter of Acts, you know, we've got Acts chapter 1, which we dove into last week, where Jesus ascends. Uh, and he literally, as if you sang that song in church, he ascends on a cloud, and he's coming back on a cloud. Um, and they were amazed as they watched him go, but they were also terrified, wondering what's going to happen. And they were listening to Jesus, and, and what he said is, that, go to Jerusalem, don't go anywhere, but something's coming. The Spirit is coming, um, and when it does... That's when everything's going to start. And they didn't even know what that meant, what it looked like. He had mentioned it before um, in his ministry to them that, that something is coming, that the Holy Spirit is coming. He said, don't worry. Don't go anywhere. Don't try to do this without this. This is an important element. You're going to wait. So um, to set this up, there is in, in Acts chapter 2, um, Pentecost is happening. And when we think of Pentecost, we think of Acts chapter 2, but it actually was a festival uh, that was um, um, 50 days after Passover. That's where the Pent Pinta comes from. And this was a festival where um, Jews from all over the world, um, God-fearing Jews from all over the world, would come and they would gather for this celebration. And you got to remember in the Old Testament, we've been in the Come and Listen series uh, throughout much of our church life, you know, the exile, like all these different exiles that happened, uh, the Jews got spread out over all of uh, the known world. They were, uh, you know, all around the Roman Empire, um, in the Old Testament, Persia, Babylon, they were just spread out everywhere. And this is where they would, they would all converge in Jerusalem. A lot of people would come uh, to celebrate. So lots of people, different nationalities would come. So that's kind of the setup for Acts chapter 2. And you got to remember, you got 120 or so believers that have been waiting in Jerusalem, have been praying and asking God to come um, and asking God to, to move. And so this is kind of how things happen. Um, chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staring in state, now they were staying in Jerusalem, and this is what we were just talking about, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Uh, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Nigeria, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors of Rome, both Jews and converts of Judaism, Cretans, Arabs. We hear them, all of us hear them, declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, They have had too much wine. All right, well, this is that's an amazing just passage in scripture um, as we as we look at it. I mean, there's a lot here. Yeah, it's rich for sure. I yeah. mean, when, when you're talking about the church and when you're talking about where people are theologically, when I mean, you've got speaking in tongues, you've got the Holy Spirit, not only speaking in tongues, but you've got tongues of tongues fire. Tongues of fire. Yes. Tongues of fire. I mean, that is a crazy thing to think about when uh, you know when you're reading this passage. Now you got to see that there's you know, it's, there's language that Luke uses. Um, it's not just in the NIV, but it's also in the ESV. But suddenly a sound like 
the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven. He's describing something that nobody has context for on planet Earth because something's happening that's never yeah. happened before. And then he says, um, and they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire, saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separating came to rest on each of them. So there's something happening visually and in the, in the moment yeah, that, physically, yeah. that they had never really seen. Um, and it, it's such a, a I mean, all, this is just a, a crazy passage in general to, to think about and to mull over um, because the Holy Spirit's come. Yeah. And this is what's going to empower them. I mean, we're going to continue in a second. It's going to empower them. But we've already kind of cracked open a can of worms when it comes to the Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah, know? this, I mean, the idea that you have so many different um, people there that speak different languages, but they're hearing those languages and they're hearing the message in their language. It's yeah. just, I, I mean, I think for us to even think about how you put that into perspective and what the, what the scene looks like is Luke's, trying to describe it to us is just, it's, it really does blow the mind. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in the, in the essence of this passage, um, and the, there's some things that, that happen. And I, I think as a church that um, we would say we're charismatic and there's a lot, that's kind of a loaded word in some ways, because I think, you know, some people, when they hear the word charismatic, they're thinking, okay, TBN, lady with purple hair, you know, a gold throne. We should have, we should have set up the gold throne today. Um, but the idea of charismatic, when we talk about charismatic, it's, it's also called continuationism, which it means we believe that the power of the Holy Spirit that descended. Now, this was a unique situation um, that, that happened. It was a unique time in history where the Holy Spirit came and fell um, uh, as a person, the person of God. Um, you know, some people are probably asking right now on, a, on the stream, you know, what is the Holy Spirit? Mm. Um, and he's the, third, he's the third person of the Trinity, not less or more than God or Jesus, but... Uh, it, not an it. I think that's right. yeah, <laughs> often uh, you might have grown up and it's kind of was this thing that people talked about. It was the it. It was the, the four, you know, the, kind of the Star Wars, you know, the Star Wars Jesus. You know, yeah. it's the, may the force be with you. I hope you've got it with you. Um, but it's the, per, it's God. It's, it's a, it's the person of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Um, and we see the Holy Spirit active throughout the Old Testament. And in just a moment, um, Peter in his, in his sermon is going to connect uh, what's happening to you know, what God was doing in the Old Testament. But I love how, you know, when you look at the whole of Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, we see the Spirit moving in different ways. But um, in this is instance, you have the Spirit indwelling now His people, that Jesus has ascended and He said, you know, I will, I will leave my Spirit as a helper um, for you, and that this is the actual act of the Spirit falling on the people. And then how the Spirit then manifests itself, whether it's um, through interpretation of languages, right. um, you know, missionary tongue. You know, there, there's lots of different things that you can certainly go down different rabbit trails with that. But we see now the Spirit active in the life of the individual. And so yeah. it's not just, you know, thinking of it from the perspective of a force or a power or an it, but it is a, it's a the he. Presence it is a God. he, the presence of God. Yeah. And so the presence of God now resides within the hearts and the bodies of people through the Holy Spirit. And that is, um, you know, that's a game changer for, yeah. for the church and for, um, for us as believers. Yeah. Uh, back to the, the, the tongues of fire. Um, there was something I heard when we were both at Cross Creek Presbyterian Church together, and they're probably doing their live stream right now. Shane, we love you if you ever go back and listen to this 
uh, stream. But I, I remember an individual was, was teaching and talking about the Holy Spirit and, and wasn't, didn't say that this was something because you can't find a, you know, um, you know, where it says that this is this. Is this. But it, in terms of commentary on the difference between what they experienced in the Old Testament and what, what they're experiencing here. In the Old Testament, if you remember, if you guys were in the Come and Listen series with us, you know, as the Israelites are moving across the desert, like they, there's 400 years of captivity in the time of Moses. Moses goes, does his thing, um, and, and God empowers him to um, get the people out of, of exile and slavery. So they, they're in the wilderness, and what's following them is, is a, it's a pillar of cloud by day, and it's a pillar of fire by night, presence of God over the people, but it's almost this distant manifestation of right. the presence of God. Only Moses was able to go in, people would kind of stand around the tent, people would go crazy, the fire would descend uh, on the sacrifice. It was this distant presence, one fire for all the people, right? One fire for all the people. And now you've got Pentecost. Jesus has come, changed everything. The veil has been torn. All things have changed at this point, Right? That, that sin, he's, he's made a way, our, our verse, Hebrews 6.19, that he's our hope that has made a way for us to be in the presence of God. Now look what's happening at Pentecost. I think this is the coolest thing. Individual pillars of fire for all believers. Isn't that crazy to think about? They followed the pillar of fire across the desert back in the time of Moses, and now the Holy Spirit has come in tongues. And, and I, I like that because it, the tongues of fire seems weird when you read it in Scripture. But then when you think about it, it really makes sense in the way that God's connecting. He's saying, okay, this wasn't just for the Israelites. You know, this was going to be salvation for the entire world, that, that the Spirit was going to come yeah. individually. And what they had to experience once a year in the forgiveness of sins through sacrificial system now was available and present in them. Yeah. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Yeah. I mean, that's incredible to me. Yeah, and, and you think about, like, you know, uh, referencing the, the pillar of fire. I mean, we see... Fire and other places in Scripture represent the the presence of God. You know, yeah. you think about you know Moses and the burning bush, and um, you know other examples of that. To, but it was, but for the first time, it, it now came to individual believers. It wasn't just a collective like, okay, Moses goes to hear the stuff from God, and then he comes to to tell and talk to the people. Um, now it's individual languages. So like even like you think about, uh, I was re reading commentary this week, it was talking about the Tower of Babel and how, yeah. you know, this is this is an undoing uh, kind of re reversal or redemption of the Tower of Babel. Because if you think about at Babel, it was about, hey, we're going to make a name for ourselves. And everybody, and so God, you know, sent the different languages where people could not understand each other. And here you have different people that are, are hearing different languages from, but it's pointing to one thing. It's a pointing to the person who should have a name made for themselves, and that's right. Jesus. And so it's so really cool. cool how you think about how that story is redeemed through this and how different languages are spoken, but they're hearing the same message, and it is about Jesus making a name for himself and us making, uh, making it about him and his name as opposed to us making a name for ourselves. Yeah, I, I think that's such a great point because... I think when you talk about charismatic theology or you talk about the ministry and the power of the Holy Spirit and people get weirded out, they're like, no, you know, church should be this way. People, you know, people make church services about swinging from the chandeliers and having a Holy Spirit experience. But I love that we have scripture, you know, and that we see in the book of Acts how it's represented. And then we see in First and Second Corinthians how the Spirit works in the church mm -hmm. and how gatherings work 
Um, and, and you see from, from, the, from the Gospels into um, the Epistles, you see the representation of what the Holy Spirit's for. Right. And it is for, like, what, what happens in the book of Acts is, you know, I think I wrote it down. Yeah, the Spirit comes, the Gospel is preached, the church is born. And then I put rinse, repeat. I mean, yeah. that's the way that it works. The, the, the Spirit comes, the gospel is preached. That means Jesus' name. We're, we're lifting Jesus' name, who he is, what he's done, that he died, death has been defeated, and then the church is born. And that happens over and over and over again. It's why we're sitting in this room in Jacksonville Beach yeah. so far away from Jerusalem is because the Spirit came. So I think like, if you're trying to judge whether or not a church or a gathering or something is like, the, maybe this is not a, an honest move of the Spirit. It's, is it about Jesus or is it not? If, if people are, you know, talking about, the, you know, their church service and it was really awesome and it was, you know, everybody was having a good time and it was awesome and, and Jesus isn't mentioned and it's not about glorifying Jesus, lifting up Jesus, lifting up the works of Jesus, lifting up and, and pointing people to the foot of the cross, then I don't want to have anything to do with it. That's not the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit exists and this is what the Trinity does with one another to glorify and lift one another up. Yeah. to serve one another. Um, and that's, that's always a good barometer for us in this church, not to say, hey, let's put a seatbelt on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. We're not putting a seatbelt on him. But we know if we're wanting to, to test you know, what's happening in church, what's happening in terms of testimony and prophecy, that we're going to test it with the Word of God and we're going to test it on the fact that we know the Holy Spirit is always going to be about Jesus. Yeah. So in the name of in the name of Jesus, you know it's interesting in this passage. Um, I, I love this because it, I was reading some commentary that Tim Keller put out a long time ago in the Book of Acts. And it was about like when you do gather as the church, what type of services like how you know is are, are they supposed to be? Our church service is supposed to be just the building up of believers. Like we come together, we're going to build up. We're going to learn the principles of the Bible. We're going to learn the you know we're going to we're going to Teach to the believers. If non-believers come, that's great. But this is going to be a church for the believer. This is the believers gathered. We see that in in, in Testament. Or should church services be evangelistic in nature, right. seeker services, uh, seeker sensitive services? <laughs> and uh, what I, I like how he frames it in his commentary that right here in the Book of Acts, and it continues in the epistles that that it's a both and. Yeah. It always is that as you preach and teach, as you craft worship as you do those things. And you see that here in this, in this passage. I love this because, you know, they're, they're seeing the wonders of God and they're hearing the, the, the wonders of God being declared in their own tongues. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking in the, in the, in the, in the aspect of, um, a worship service. And when, when somebody comes into a worship service here at Ocean City Church, um, they might see something that's odd. Like they might see somebody in the front row or over here raising their hands, or they might see people that are crying. They might see people that are engaging with God and sense something, sense the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's one of the things that I think is broken down um, well by, by Tim Keller saying, you know, can, can a non-believer experience the power of the Holy Spirit? Well, if we're going to judge that by the Bible, then absolutely yes. Like believers and non-believers here are experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, how they respond is differently. You've got some of them that are asking the question, you know, you know, what, what do they say? What does this mean? Yeah. You know, they're amazed and perplexed. They ask one another, what does this mean? And I think about that in terms of worship, like coming into a church service, 
any, you know, a, a non-believer could come in and go, this is weird. Um, but for many of them, and that's many of the people's story in our church, they're asking the question, should I be this excited? You know, I remember uh, Mark Giuliano, we mentioned him every once in a while because he's got an amazing story. But yeah, he came in and thought things were weird. What are these people singing to nobody? They're singing to screens. You know, this is, this is crazy. But the question that came about was, what is this about? The right. same question that's here. What, what does this mean? Right. Should I be excited about this? Wait, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling and sensing the, the power of the Holy Spirit too. Didn't even know how to name it. Well, that's what's going on here. Amazed and perplexed. Now, you got other people. What? <laughs> hey, Making fun of them saying they've been of them. drinking too much. But yeah. that, it's so relevant for today. Yeah. I mean, it's like that's the world that we live in. Yeah. There's some people that are going to come to church and they're going to go, something just happened. Like some, there's a tangible presence of God that just dropped like a bomb in here. Second, you know, book right. of Acts. It's happened in our church time and time again. And then for some people, they're just gonna their heart, hardened heart, not gonna respond, and cynical and walk out. Yeah. But there's gonna always gonna be people that are here. And I say all that to say our gatherings should be both. Right. Like there, there should be, and you see an element of this, in uh, in this gathering that there's a, first of all, God brings contextualization. Like that's a, a big word. Mike Berry's going to make fun of me. Just relevant. We talk about relevant church, but God makes it relevant. Like the, the word of God stands forever, but the, the context, God comes not only in one particular way, but in all of these different languages in his mercy, he makes adjustments. Yeah. And you say this all the time and acclimate, like as a church, we, we don't sacrifice the word of God, but we want to make church relevant. We want to pivot as things. Look at right now, we're on a live stream. We never would have done this had, you know, culture pushed us in this direction and this virus. Yeah. But. Well, and that's the beautiful thing is that there is, for everyone who will listen to this or is listening now, like for all, there is, there's nothing that we're going through that, that scripture doesn't speak to in some way. Right. And I think oftentimes, you know, we all had those little books we got at graduation, like here are God's you know, 20 verses for this in your life, you know, and so we've, we've tried to make it very portable and, but it lacks the contextualization. It right. lacks, you know, we talk about here, the whole council of scripture. And so not just plucking a verse out and, you know, this helps me in this moment, those things are good and we should memorize scripture, but what does it say when you start to pan out at 30,000 feet and see, wow, there's something going on where God is pursuing a relationship with his people again from the after the first two chapters of Genesis and God obviously has a relationship with them before that but you know once that that relationship is broken what what is happening throughout and this is really what's neat about Acts chapter 2 is it seems to all now be starting to make sense and what things that maybe didn't make sense for people before now you know as Peter even quotes an Old Testament prophet you know that yeah. now those things are beginning to make sense absolutely well, that's the thing you see here in this, in this passage is you see the contextualization, you see the relevancy, you see that it's gospel-centered. Like, we're going to see this passage where Peter, and we're going we're gonna to run long here, by the way, and uh, hey, welcome. You're, you miss Ocean City Church? Guess what? We're going to run long. You've been it's missing me and it. Derek, sorry. That's right. You, you're going to get it. But listen, like the, the, that's the harder thing to do. Like, bringing the biblical principles, is the, that's the, I think that's the easy thing to do. Telling people that Jesus saves and nothing else does. Like if you're listening to the stream and you're like, you know, I want to get some good nuggets for life. Um, I can tell you the best nugget you're going to get today is that Jesus saves, that he's alive and that he saves. And we want to always center our church around that idea that 
um, that it's this, the gospel is at the center and that his presence can come, that, that it's, and it's for everyone. I wanted to continue to read in this passage in Scripture in verse 14 because it gets really amazing. Uh, in verse 14, Peter, so after all of this happens, Peter comes and begins to speak and uh, as the Holy Spirit came. Peter stood just to, to answer these people. Peter stood up with the eleven and raised his voice and addressed the crowd. He says, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, uh, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. Now, my neighbors, you know, I don't know, occasionally. Um, no, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Now, he continues to go on after that passage. Um, you know, he's telling them, look, these people aren't hammered. This is, this is, a, this is what came from Scripture. And as you read, continue to read in that passage, and I think you, um, your study is going to go in that direction, he, he goes back to the Old Testament. He knows his audience. He goes back to the Old Testament and says, hey, you're all here for Pentecost. You know what the prophet Joel said, that, son, that the Spirit was going to get poured out like it just did, that sons and daughters would, would dream dreams. They would prophesy that the end of the, like, that, that things are changing. The, 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 the life that you were in, the sacrificial system, and the life that you've done for thousands of years, that life is over, and we're now in the end era. And he says, and this is where people are going to be invited. Everyone, everybody on planet Earth will be invited to repent and come home and return to God. Yeah. This is actually where Peter starts his Come and Listen series, right? Yes, yeah. that's right. He says, let's, let's go look and see how it all connects. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. He's connecting all of what they've known in the light, the light bulbs going on in the power of the Spirit. Um, and then he goes on, and this is one of the, the coolest passages in all of Scripture. It is amazing. He says, fellow Israelites, listen to this, because it's so bold. Listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as, as you do yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, I mean, how bold is that? Right there. Put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But listen to this. This is power right here. But God. I love the, the, when the but God comes in. <laughs> but God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Hmm. I mean, that is the, that's the best news you know, today. When we think about the Spirit coming, the gospel being preached, and the church being born. Like the, the opportunity. And, and Peter goes on um, to tell people, look, if this is cut, like, and, and it says the people, if you go on in the scripture, were cut to the bone. Yeah. Like the people that were there, they woke up and were yeah. cut to the bone. Um, and his call at that moment was repent, means turn, and be baptized. Yeah. Like repent, believe, and get baptized. Yeah, I love and not, um, you know, just to kind of summarize that piece and what Derek just mentioned, but in verse 36 says, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. Um, and I love that the book of Acts is so much about assurance yeah. um, and how much we desperately want some assurance right now. God uh, has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And that's when he says, repent and be baptized. And, and believe. It's a big day, too. <laughs> 3,000. 
Yeah, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Christ Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise for you, your children. You know, see this beautiful picture of like God's uh, pouring out on people through His Spirit, and um, this idea of um, you know repent and and be baptized. Like that, it's something we need to come back to constantly when we hear when we when I hear that word spoken by Peter. Like I feel like I'm cut to the heart again and again because it's right. a great reminder of you know what who Jesus is and what he accomplished on our behalf and I just that's when we talk about and we talk about here at Ocean City Church about being a gospel-centered church that's what we want to go back to time and time again yeah. that it's not you know here are five ways that you can deal with the coronavirus or here's you know six ways to deal with your kids while they're at home with you it yeah. is we need to look to Jesus and we need to repent again and again and believe um, what's being said here. Yeah, absolutely. So great. Well, there's going to be some uh, continued uh, uh, resources for you as, as we move on. Dan's going to give you a, a couple of things that we wanted to give you before we head out for the day. Um, thanks for hanging with us. Hopefully, we'll let me see if there's some, some questions here. You, you, you go give them the resources, and I'll see if there's some things we need to address. I don't know that I have that sheet. Oh, the, the resources sheet? Yeah. This is what happens on a live stream. <laughs> we got papers. So um, there will be, on the website, we're going to have resources, right? Where yes. Where people can go and um, actually, yeah, there, there they are. Look at that. Awesome. Look, we have a slide. Um, so um, places where people can go to, to further study what we've been talking about in Acts. Yeah, you click on that, that button right there the, the, where it says Acts, and, and you'll, you'll get launched to a blog, um, a, a post. For today, you'll have the, the questions. It'll be very easy. Um, you'll see kind of how it's right here in front of you, how, what that looks like and how that kind of um, presents itself. you got um, worship with a playlist. Um, and then questions to engage as a family. And then later on in the week, if you go back to that blog, um, and you'll, you can go back to that same link, we'll post again on Wednesday and then again on Friday some additional studies. So if you want it, like some kind of devotional style, uh, commentary style um, study that you'll be able to dig into on Wednesday and Friday. So today, Wednesday, and Friday, you'll have um, dig, yeah. dig deeper options um, per, for you personally as an individual and um, today as a family. Yep, and so, um, and we're also doing this with city groups as well. And so, um, we'll have questions that we'll work through as a city group that are kind of centered around what we're talking about in Acts. Um, I know we've had some great discussion in, in our city group just in the first week that we met virtually um, with that. And then Whit Whitney's put together some um, materials for families with kids and things that you can do with them. You can find that on the Acts blog as well. So, sweet. I want to address a couple questions before we go, because this is fun. It's, it's, it's 11.08. We're good. Um, okay, one, one of the questions is, when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, they spoke in tongues. I love that somebody had to bring that up. I'm kidding. Um, people always, um, do people always speak in tongues when the Holy Spirit comes? That's a great um, question. Yeah, it really is. Um, what does the Holy Spirit um, coming look like in other parts of Scripture? That's awesome. You want to address that one? Well, so, I mean, I mean I'm a, I'm first of all, tongues are an evidence of the work of the Holy Spirit. I mean, that's clear from, from Scripture and what we read here that the Spirit showed up and people spoke in tongues. Right. Um, and so, you know, I, I think sometimes when people ask the question, there's maybe some other things um, loaded in there. But, um, but I would just say, I, I mean, 
we would say you don't have to speak in tongues, um, but tongues is evidence of the Holy Spirit. Right. So, but it doesn't mean that that's that everyone is going to speak in tongues that has the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. So. Yeah. It's it's one of it's one of the gifts. So if you look at for, if, just for for further study in First Corinthians chapter twelve, you're going to get a list of um, spiritual gifts, and tongues is in a list of other things um, that people people get, and it's not an exclusive thing, and it's given. It's not something that you um, conjure up. It's something that is given by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Like there's nobody that's going to go, okay, yeah, I was able to give myself the gift of tongues. It, it is given by the Holy Spirit, and we don't get to decide whether or not you get the gift of prophecy, you get the administration, the gift of tongues. The, you know, those are things that are dispersed and apportioned by the Holy Spirit is what we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But like you said, um, tongues come. And so like just practically, like in church services, does like, you know, it, the Holy Spirit's here and evident when we gather. I mean, it's, it's one of those things that we experience here as a church. Is people always speaking in tongues here? No. Um, that's one of those things that sometimes, sometimes that happens. And there's, we could get into the you know, three types of tongues that we see in Scripture. Right, right. We're not going to do that today. But um, there's people in our church that definitely speak in tongues, yeah. right? And there's people in our church that have varying gifts um, you know, uh, in the power of the Holy Spirit. So. Well, and, and again, like Derek referenced 1 Corinthians 12, 12 13, 14. You know, all, those are all great chapters. And we, you know, we think about like 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. You yeah. know, what Paul's point in all of that was speaking in tongues is great, but the greater value should be love. Yeah. And, and that you know, if you've done these things, but you haven't loved people well, then it means nothing. It's worthless. That's so, what he says. Yeah. And so that, you know, I think that's... Paul's saying it's happening in the church. There should be some, you know, specific order around it that that he prescribes from Scripture, but that ultimately love people well, yeah, and and don't worry about those things so much because again, the giver of the gifts is God, and He apportions them to people according to His will and what He desires for us. And so we should ask God if that's if that's what you would have for me. I want all that you have for me. But we shouldn't then think that we're any less loved by God if we if we don't have that particular gift. Just like we would think about all of the spiritual gifts. Yeah. Um, one of the other questions I thought was good: If the Holy Spirit is all about Jesus, what does that look like in our lives personally? Uh, what should we expect that to look like for us personally? Um, well, I, I think when we say it's all about Jesus, one it it means when you when you are experiencing the Holy Spirit, the whole idea, like say, and when I say experience, it, I just mean like. There is that presence that these people were in awe, amazed, wondered. They knew that something just happened. Like I, I like a, there's that something happened in the temperature room. Temperature in the room changed. Temperature yeah. in the room changed. I was at church or I was at home reading my Bible and I was worshiping. Something happened and, and I experienced God. Certainly, that's a gift from God that you experienced it, and it's 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 a way that God loves you. But that the response to that should be, it leads us closer in our relationship with Jesus. It leads us into more intimacy with Jesus. It leads us to do exactly, what is it? The gospel, you know, the spirit comes, the gospel's preached. Um, it should be one of those things. If somebody tells me that they're always experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit, but they also tell me they've never evangelized ever in their life, I would probably doubt what's happening just because of what I see in scripture. People experience the Holy Spirit and they proclaim the mighty wonders of God. Um, and I think that's um, you know, that's how when we're experiencing the Holy Spirit personally, whether it's healing, you know, people got healed all through the book of Acts. What do those people do? They proclaimed the, the wonders of God. They proclaimed who he was and what he had done uh, for them. Even in the gospels, when Jesus healed people, it was the same thing. 
this guy, I don't, I don't know anything about him being a criminal, but I was blind. <laughs> Right. And now I can see. Yeah. Uh, always led back to Jesus. Great question. Um, we got one last one. I know we talked about this over the summer, but can you explain cessationism versus continuationism and where OCC stands in light of these? That's a great, that's a great question. Um, so cessationism would, would be that, okay, the, the Holy Spirit, this, if, if a church believes in cessationism, it means that they believe that, yes, there, there is the power of the Holy Spirit, that um, believers are empowered by the Holy Spirit, um, but the way that we see the Holy Spirit expressed in um, the epistles and in the book of Acts, that has ceased with the apostles. In other words, the, like the power gifts of healing, prophecy, tongues, um, all of the weird stuff. Um, the power gifts. Has, all, has, has ceased. So when the last apostle died, the apostolic era was over, and, um, and the way that, that God um, evangelizes planet Earth is is he's not using those things anymore in and through the people. That would be cessationism. Continuationism would be what we see in the Book of Acts, what we see in the epistles, the way that we see the power of the Holy Spirit working. We believe that God's still doing those things today, and as a church, we we are continuate. We believe that God is still doing those things today, and. Um, that there's some theological things we can go dig into in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and how we interpret Scripture. Um, uh, one, one of the main things is, is there's really nowhere in Scripture where it says that. That's an, it's a, it's, we call that assumative theology. It's like it's, there's, there's a lot of strange. You could probably talk to really, a lot of smart people that are cessationists that would make a great case for it, um, but you can't find anywhere in the, in the Bible where it says, all right, gifts are over now. And they've ceased. So that's one reason we lean in that direction. Plus, we believe, like, I know we need power. Like, I can't, I'm not carrying the gospel on my own. <laughs> um, the power of the Holy Spirit in, in, in full force uh, is what we need every day in the church uh, to move the gospel forward. Yeah, and, and we just, we believe that God heals people, um, that God that. has used gifts of individuals in our church to minister to other people. And I think it's such a beautiful thing. We And we do see it in scripture we, and believing that these, these gifts were not just apostolic and for uh, certainly the spirit was moving in a unique way during the season in Acts. But, but what we see is a continuation of that, that God is, um, God is doing things through our church and through the giftedness of people in our church to, to, change people's lives. That's why we pray for people on a Sunday, you know, mm -hmm. in prayer ministry. And maybe we need to think about how we virtually do prayer ministry. That would kind of be yeah, a cool we, thing. Yeah, we've been talking about um, But But there's no question that God, God is still moving in this way. And so we want to lean into it, not from a standpoint that we're going to, that the gifts are going to become the things that we worship, or the spirit is going to become the thing that we worship. They all point to Jesus. So this isn't about a personality or you know, that only these people have the mojo and these people don't. It's Here's like, the guy with the Holy just, Spirit machine gun that can blow. You just, <laughs> we're going to give you the spirit, you a little bit over there. <laughs> so that we, we don't believe any of that. We believe that, that God moves in this way, and we want to be in a position to lean into that as he ministers to people through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and, and both of us could tell story after story of why we believe that, not yeah. just from what we, what we read in Scripture, but experience. Yeah like what we've experienced personally and what we've experienced in the life of our church through people. So, yeah, awesome. All right, we're going to wrap it up. Man, we love you guys. We miss you. We would encourage you to dig into the resources. What Gerald put out this week on Instagram about worship, I cannot 
stress enough about finding space by yourself or with your family to risk, turn up some worship music, the proclamations and the gospel, um, music that, that um, Gerald's put together and the worship team has put together. Go dig into those things on Spotify. Um, in apathy, it's easy not to. Force yourself to do it. And I'm telling you, you will not be disappointed. God will break through. Apathy will be crushed. And God will inspire you by the power of His Spirit. Um, and if you, if you don't know Jesus, like if you're, I mean, I, I think, you know, one of the, the powerful things today is that, that in the midst of, of um, death, as we look in Acts chapter 2, I love that, that, that Peter makes the proclamation that the enemy came, brought death, but death could not hold him down. Uh, and that's true for, for you, it's true for me, and it's true for anybody that's listening today or watching today. That Jesus, there, there's a reason you're watching. And it's not just because your you know, Uncle Leroy told you, hey, you should log into this stream. There's two guys I like going to be on it. I don't know why I had to talk about <laughs> Uncle Leroy. But you're, whatever, whatever, wherever you are, God is meeting you right now in the midst of your life. I mean, he's, you are here for a reason. You are logged in for a reason. And I'll just tell you this. I wouldn't be doing this if, if I didn't believe with everything that I have that Jesus saves, that he's real, and that he's the hope of the world. So you guys, if, if that's you, I would encourage you, connect with our church. Connect with somebody um, that you've talk, chatted with on live stream, whoever invited you in. Connect with them, um, and you, you can connect with us. Contact us here at OceanCityChurch.org. All of our information's out there, contact information. We'd love to hear from you. Join a city group. We'd love for you to do that. Uh, we love you guys. Have an amazing Sunday. Uh, we will be back. Dig into the resources.